And welcome back to the Glassness Podcast. Uh, my name is Dennis Grinko. I'm your uh, local shithead at large. And as usual, with me... Aaron McDowell, uh, known in the North End as your friendly neighborhood angry Irish guy. And today's broadcast is brought to you by uh, hangovers, which range from uh, crippling to life-changing on the scale. <laughs> and uh, doom-scrolling World War Three, which is everything that uh, I personally have been doing for the past five days or so. And menthol cigarettes. And menthol cigarettes. Yeah. And not CAA. Yeah, not CAA. Not CAA. Well, we're we're going to get into uh, CAA. Uh, after the last podcast fiasco. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you all remember from our last episode, uh, my van was uh, trapped uh, in the parking lot behind our studio. And it took more than two days uh, to get it out. Uh, they kept... We kept, I, I kept trying to explain to these people, I don't live here at this location. I live on the other side of the city, which is like the, the dangerous part of the city. So it takes me at least half an hour to drive down. You can't just call up at six in the morning, you know, when I have a six-year-old and a wife and expect to get them all in the car to come and deal with this van. So... Um, they kept doing that, and, and then they finally did send a guy down on, I believe it was Tuesday. Oh, no, it was Wednesday at around 4 a.m. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about before that. Oh, before that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, right. they, so they finally sent a guy down, and they did not give us notice, and we miraculously got here, and he didn't leave. And he's like, yeah, I think you're going to He showed up in a pickup truck. And uh, he's like, yeah, I think you're going to need a tow truck for this. And it's like, that's all we ever asked for, okay? Why, why, why did we drive halfway across the city to come here so that you could tell us that we need a tow truck when that's all we ever wanted, right? And this was, this, then this was already a full 48 hours after you got stuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, well, the axle's probably broken. And I'm like... It, how, why would the axle be broken when it's been sitting here for for th- 36 hours? You know what I mean? All right? So eventually, you know, I, I gave the keys to Dennis, and I was like, listen, man, you know, I'll, I'll buy you a 40 of gin. Just, like, when they come here, it's going to be at a horrible time. Just come down, give them the keys, and and they'll tow away my, my car, or my van, rather, uh, to my mechanic, uh, who is another Russian guy. Um, who I've been dealing with for the last 30 years, and he was like, yeah, the axle's not broken. What, what, what are these guys talking about? I was like, yeah, okay, just make sure my coolant's filled, check the oil, you know. So I got my van back, miraculously. <laughs> it is parked on the street. It is not parked behind the studio anymore. Uh. So that's good. So CAA is no longer a sponsor. I, uh, uh, I have uh, a lot of grievances with CAA. Well, uh, we, we have a lot of grievances in general, I think, between the two of us. I oh, think yeah. We're going to get into it. Yeah. Uh, the general topic I think we're going to talk about today is quantitative easing. Love to. And there's been a lot of really good uh, content coming out from various people around this subject. John Seward did a couple of podcasts on it. Mm-hmm. Freakonomics has covered it for a long time from a more academic standpoint. And obviously, we're going to get into the fact that uh, we are on the doorstep of World War III because yep. that's just kind of what everyone's been thinking about. Yep. Okay. Dystopian nightmare. Just a dystopian nightmare, and 
while you're here, just uh, you know, enjoy these uh, enjoy these days because we don't know how many there might be. And yeah. I'm gonna take a quick beat here before we get back. Okay, so what do uh, we want to fire off with here, Aaron? What do you think, quantitative easing or the imminent possibility of World War III? Well, we'll start with quantitative easing because uh, it, 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 they kind of, uh, they, you know, they're, they're like, you know, high school lovebirds, right? <laughs> it's true. You know? and, and, and we have been, this was, this was this initially our plan for this episode is to talk about this subject. Yeah. And then and, and then we started yeah. all started doom scrolling collectively yeah. as a society yeah. around uh, Tuesday night, when, or Wednesday night, Tuesday, uh, Thursday morning, I forget now. These all blend into one. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the quantitative easing, which again, that's, so we started the, doing this in 2008 mm. with the bank bailouts and it was talked about as just a one-time measure right we're gonna give them this giant package they're gonna pay us back at zero interest but you know it'll, it'll take several years and they did pay us back uh, by us I mean the United States government are the ones that did it yeah but it turns out they never really stopped doing it. Well, no, because it's 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 again like like we discussed in in the last podcast, right? When you have a tool that is easy, accessible, <laughs> and convenient, convenient, and you know it works, and you know it works, it's got a great track record. You're going to use it all the time, and and that's what's happening. I mean, really, this all started during the Nixon administration, the first term. Uh, you know when they they went off the the gold standard and they started using the petrodollar, and this was kind of a lead up to uh, this manufactured crisis in two thousand eight two thousand nine, and I say manufactured because it was manufactured by uh, by the uh, financial institutions. Uh, if anyone's ever watched, uh, if, uh, if you ever watched, uh, there was a really good movie made about it called. Uh, uh, called The Big Short. Oh, where, I love where, The Big Short. I, I probably watched that movie a hundred times. It was so, one of the better movies of the last decade, yeah. I think, for yeah. sure. Like, easily. It's it's so snappy, yet so informative, and it does such a great job of condensing these very large and very boring ideas into something very easily, you know, yeah, easily consumable, which is nice. Hey, Margot Robbie in a bathtub. Margot Robbie in a bubble bath, right? <laughs> in a bubble bath, why not, right? Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, so so basically they started doing the quantitative easing. So I'll, let me explain what quantitative easing is. So back in the day, every dollar that you had in your pocket was backed by... Uh, it was backed by gold that in the United States would have been in Fort Knox, right? And then Nixon switched to the petrodollar, which means that the worth of your dollar is backed by how many countries, oil producing countries, are trading only using US dollars. Now you'll notice a trend over the last 30 years that any country that decides they are not going to trade in U.S. dollars uh, miraculously 
gasses their people or <laughs> commits some atrocity, right? Or they just look right. at us. Oh, just look yeah. at the U.S. wrong in some way. Yeah, yeah. They, they hung their coat up next to <laughs> Europe, right? You yeah. know? And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they have to be invaded, right? Now, there's, there's they have to, horrible yeah, atrocities have to, happening in, in, in almost every single country on Earth. But for some reason, we have to export democracy to yeah, some places. Well, yeah, you have to. <laughs> it, it's, have our, to. it's our duty yeah, as, as God fearing Americans. Yeah. The West, somehow, they only have time to deal with countries that are, because all countries are doing horrible things, including our country, Canada. Okay. Yep. They're all doing horrible things. But the only ones that are being invaded. It, are the, the ones that decide, the, hey, we're not going to trade The only in. ones we're exporting democracy oh, to. That's, not not, that's not invasion. Right. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. You're right. right. We're exporting democracy, right, are the ones who uh, who have uh, moved off of the petrodollar, which is basically trading. Uh, petrodollar means you're trading in U.S. dollars, right? Mm. So if, if you have enough countries that aren't doing that, like China, right, and Russia, then it becomes problematic for the stability of the U.S. dollar. And if the U.S. dollar fails, then America is, as uh, Donald Trump uh, so eloquently put it during his presidency, uh, one of the shithole countries. One of the shithole countries, <laughs> that's right. So, so now you have a situation where... Quantitative easing came uh, because of the financial crisis, and it's basically printing money that Except doesn't you don't, you exist. Don't, but you don't have to actually print it; they just put it on the balance sheet. Yeah, which yeah. is which is the thing. So they're they're buying they're buying treasury bonds. They're, they're, they're with the, with the, with this created money and just putting that on their balance sheet. Yeah. So then they so then they can use the, the, those bonds to actually. Uh, you know, do whatever it is that they need to do. In this case, they're using using these bonds to lend to the uh, financial institutions at zero interest, and they just do it once. They've been doing 120 billion once a month since 2020. But yeah. I, we, we can we can wind back to 2008. What was the size of the package in 2008? What was the size of the bailout? So that was yeah. So that was the the TARP, uh, which stands for the Toxic Asset Relief Plan. And I don't know off the top of my head what it was, but it was it, it was. I'm pulling that up right it, now. It, 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 we're we're talking in the nine figures, somewhere around there. It was it was. It, it was, was eighty point seven billion. Wow. But it doesn't. Yeah. That's, doesn't no, that was just the no. That was just the automotive companies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't even get me started with that. Yeah. No. What did the banks get? What did the banks get from Obama? It was in the trillions. I know that yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like one yeah. point something trillion. This would be like if I owed a bunch of money to people that helped me and I could just go in to the government bank account or my own bank account and just change how much money I have and then start distributing money. You have to understand, right? And this was all proven through WikiLeaks. That Obama, when he took office, his entire cabinet was from an email that came from Citibank. <laughs> his entire cabinet, other than the vice president, right, right, was 
was a, an email that got sent to to the campaign and said, okay, listen, this is who you're putting in uh, in your cabinet. Every single person in that email well, ended on. They the couldn't have cc'd Joe Biden because you just don't know what that what that guy's exactly aware of. He might leave that email open on, a, on in the wrong place in a Starbucks, and then someone's going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean now, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean back then, yeah. Joe Biden was was competent, a but he was still yeah. a war criminal, a maniac. You know, yeah. the guy that wrote the crime so bill. It was seven hundred billion for turning the United States of America into an open air prison. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's not open air, but you you, you do get some yard time every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, an hour. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it was seven hundred billion. That that was the the bank bailout. Wow. You know, wait. But so. But since it's continuing. It's continuing. Uh, it's, it's 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 a monthly injection, that's just still at zero interest, due to the banks because that's the only way they can keep these things afloat. Yeah. Well, no, then that's that's why you know, like if if you watch CN, uh, uh, CNBC, mm-hmm. right, uh, or Fox Business, they'll tell you every or day. Bloomberg, yeah, or Bloomberg, they'll tell you every day yeah. how great the economy is doing. But really, who 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 is this economy great for? <laughs> it's 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 only great for people on Wall Street. Or if you sell weapons, that's great. It's or or if you sell drugs, or you know like pharmaceuticals, or yeah. if you're or if you're in the health and insurance industry, it's a great economy. Okay, absolutely. But, but meanwhile, you have, you know for everyone else, you have a situation where you, you know eighty percent of people living in the United States. They cannot afford a one thousand dollar emergency. Okay, like that will bankrupt them. Yeah, and that 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 that, that gap has been growing longer and longer. Oh, look at that! That's just today. He was up even more yesterday. Wow! Look at yeah, that. Raytheon is up, baby. Yeah, that. describe. Yeah, describe what's going on here. So yeah, since the twenty fourth wow. of February, it, uh, it, it, it's up about. Eight dollars since the twenty fourth of February. This is Raytheon Technologies Corporation. So yeah, eight. Yeah, I don't. So aerospace yeah. and defense company. Yeah, I know. So it was at eighty three on. Uh, yeah, so ninety three dollars on February twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Then it went down to ninety dollars, and now it's at ninety eight dollars. So since wow. the war started. Since the conflict started, it's up about five dollars. So yeah, about six percent total in the past you know four days since this since the start of the whole thing if that doesn't make you want to smoke menthol cigarettes i don't know what will <laughs> all right i think i'm getting a word from my producer that he needs a cigarette <laughs> no 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 i'm i'm okay i'm You're just okay? saying i'm just saying like you it know it makes me want to smoke a menthol cigarette i think we're gonna take a menthol cigarette break well no you know uh, you know what yeah let's do it and uh we'll be right back <laughs> and uh we'll tell you all about it and we're back so, uh, so we, so with the quantitative easing, it's it has been happening ever since '08. So we had the one bailout, and we kept going with it. Yeah, Bush, then Obama, and then Bush Obama, was the bigger one. Yeah, and since March, 2020, the Fed has just been doing this on a, on a scheduled basis. They're just yeah. like, we're doing it 120 billion a month, and we're not gonna stop. And recently, they've been talking about maybe pulling it back, and they 
they have a soft deadline in the like as a, a goal. But well, they, that was part of the CARES Act, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're they're thinking about stopping. Yeah. But they haven't really made any hard commitments to it. Well, why not? And especially now, now that it's wartime. Yeah, they, they they just need that liquidity, and this liquidity is helping prop up banks, prop up institutions that are still doing things like uh, like CDOs, like those kind of derivative investments. And yeah, they just changed the name. Yeah, yeah. and so much of the world's debt is trading at a negative yield, uh, and there'll be there'll be links to this. I'll I'll dump some links into the episode description, so you guys can. And check it out and see where our receipts are for the information we're giving you. But um, it's been an ongoing, an ongoing thing, and uh, it it doesn't exactly show any signs of stopping. No, it, no, it, it, like this is this is super bad. It's 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 the greatest upward transfer of wealth in the history of human civilization. Right, what started in March of twenty uh, twenty, as soon as the pandemic started. But so, Dennis has pulled up a very interesting article here that we're going to talk it's about. It's from the Economist, and it yeah. talks about how uh, billions of banknotes are going missing. And uh, it's the story opens with a story of a young woman that was in an airport with five suitcases, and it was just filled with cash. Yeah. And so, in, in but. It, for, in Heathrow going to Dubai. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Okay. And it was a total of 1.9 million in euros. Just in Which is 2.7 million. Yeah. yeah USD. Dollars. Yeah. And it's, it's a fascinating story, but it talks about how, despite the fact that there's been less demand in you know, the, the, where, where cash usually is used. It's regular people going to stores and purchasing things with money. The demand for that has gone down drastically since the pandemic started, yet the companies that, that actually do the printing are working at full capacity. The central banks have noticed more demand for cash. People are, are withdrawing physical banknotes, and they're going somewhere. Where are they going? I mean, unless you're buying weapons or drugs. What right. Do you, what do you need cash? Unless it's human trafficking and terrorism and, yeah, and, and drugs. Well, and human trafficking, yes. Right. Yeah. And, and, that, and they can't figure out exactly where it's going. And then it touches on this uh, this concept that goes back to the early days of how central banks started. Uh, it's called something called Singuraj, uh, or the prerogative of the feudal lord. Yeah. So... Senioraj is the share. Yeah, senioraj is it's, it's a it's um it's a Latin term uh, uh, from senior, which is like your your lord. Yeah, your feudal lord, because yeah. the feudal yeah. lord would be the one issuing currency back then. Correct. And yeah. but back back in the day, it was actual coins that were minted and then melted down and reminted. Mm. And every time that it was reminted, the feudal lord would take their cut. Yeah. When we started printing money on paper. Oh boy, that cut became a lot more profitable because we didn't have to actually melt this down and and, and then do just do those complicated things. Instead, we just could just print it on a piece of paper and say it's worth this much. Yeah. So the banks have less of an interest of investigating these things. Why is that? 
Well, <laughs> because they they actually because the banks get this seigniorage profit whenever they issue these banknotes. Ding 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 ding. So uh, that's uh, a very complicated topic, but nobody seems to be have any vested interest in getting to the bottom of it. There's uh, just a vague sense of something's going wrong, but. <laughs> The, the people that are in charge of tracking down these uh, irregularities also have a, sort of a conflict of interest because they're well yeah no, they have a vested interest in this and, and then and then there's no media anymore that's going to investigate this because who is the media owned by the exact same people they're supposed to be investigating yeah the 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 the, the, the boards of these companies are essentially the same people across the board or you know their family members or yep. what have you so uh, th th that'll be in the links and, yeah, that's uh, a great question where's the money going where's the money going and uh, again so getting back to the the issue of the world's debt trading in a negative yield mm. so this is has started as early uh, people have noticed this as early as around 2019 2018 and this is when the first banks in Europe and Japan uh, started doing something called negative interest rates. So if you had good enough credit, you could take out a loan from the bank, and then they would pay you to take out that loan. As long as you're pay making the payments on time, mm -hmm. you could take out a 10,000 euro loan and pay back 9,750 euros or whatever whatever the interest difference is mm. as long as you're making those payments on time yeah and this is so they could put good debt on their books because so much of their debt is toxic yes because so a quarter it's of the, the old one too right so so yeah. it's a the quarter a quarter of the of the debt on their books they can't sell it to anyone because the debt is bad so if they sell somebody you know this Hundred thousand dollars of debt, they will only get nine. They'll only get ninety thousand dollars from the person purchasing it. Yeah. Well, no, and this this reminds me of what was like. Basically, this is what's happening here is they learn the lessons from two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Well, they, right? They didn't. Well, no, 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 no. These people know they're never like. It doesn't matter if they get caught. Right, because right. they're always that, going to be bailed out. That was the lesson they learned. Okay, the lesson that, they that learned. Was, yeah, no, no, but, but 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 they have to, you know, you can't you can't just you know bundle everything together, right? Like with a CDO, right? You know, mm. and and say, oh well, this is this is triple A, even though it's filled with. Cat shit wrapped in dog shit. <laughs> Cat right? shit. Okay. So all they're doing is they're just they're they're doing the same thing. They're just doing it in a different way. And and it's just it's just another game of of hot potato, right? Who's gonna have these toxic assets when everything collapses? And we know it's gonna collapse again. But the mm -hmm. problem is, like, what happened last time, right? 10 million families, or, or sorry, uh, uh, 5.1 million families, over 10 million people lost their homes, right? Just in the United States, right? 
what's what's going to happen this time? Because because they they know the end game. They the lesson they learned, just like you said, the lesson they learned is we can do anything we want, and because we own the politicians, they will bail us out, and we will and and the only people that are going to be victimized by this are are the poors and who cares about them all right and uh this also ties into uh the global derivatives market like we're talking about this cat shit wrapped in dog shit the cdos yeah and and so it, it's it's the it's the money that's betting on this money and uh there's something called the notional value versus the actual value of derivatives mm. so the notional value uh, as of 2019 was 640 trillion the actual value, the, the money that that money is betting on, is only twelve trillion, but the derivatives that are based around that money is six hundred and forty trillion. Oh my! And that was twenty nineteen. Yeah. And uh, well, no, well, no. If 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 you have, if if you have more payouts, <laughs> right. on on derivatives. And as of twenty nineteen, the world GDP yeah. was around eighty four trillion. Yeah. And the so, derivatives market. Around just the twelve trillion of, of that economy that it was bidding on was six hundred and forty. So it's about eight. So the derivatives market in total is eight times greater than the entire world's GDP. Yeah, which so means this, which means the end of society. Which yeah. It, it, so just in layman's terms, I'll, I'll explain this. If if everybody is betting against the economy. Okay, this is a very simplistic way of putting. It. If everybody is base betting against the economy, and the then the economy crashes, right? Then there's no money to pay out, and then we all die all right. well, and well, go to hell. The, the, uh, well, yeah. well, I believe is that except for the people who have all the guns. Well, and, I believe that, yeah. that, that this eight hundred, uh, this six hundred and forty trillion is actually betting on the economy because they know that they'll be bailed out. It's not, they're not betting against it. They're betting. It's like, yeah, it's it's. There's no way this is gonna fail because should it ever go and start failing, they were they were just gonna get bailed out. Well, you know, this, but, this, but this, here's, this, here's this the question: people, Can this isn't people shorting it? They're not shorting these markets. Yeah, they're betting on that. They're betting that this is gonna go on forever. Yeah, so they're not shorting much. But but the thing is, if you you can see now that like just from the and I know this is a lot of numbers to throw out there right yeah there so so what the oligarchs in the United States and all over the world are betting on is that the government's going to bail them out but again this goes back to quantitative easing right which is what they used to bail okay. them out yeah they just so so once once this fails and it will fail this is a house of cards built on a gas pool of gasoline. Okay, okay. With, with the drunk president with his finger hovering over the nuclear button. Yeah, exactly. Right, it will fail, and then the only people in society that are gonna like basically, we're talking like we're going back to like the year eleven hundred. Okay. <laughs> Right? Oh. Like, if you have the most guns and the most food, you survive. And if you don't, you die. This, right? this is Aaron McDowell, your local optimist, 
from uh, from the north end. He is. Uh, I'm not an optimist. I'm a Just realist. A, a warm ray of sunshine. I, I'm, a, I'm a realist. There, there was a great meme that I saw that I can describe right now, and it was it was uh, three glasses of yellow liquid, and and it said, and the first one says, "I'm half full," and the second one says, "I'm half empty," and the third one says, "I'm sure this is piss." <laughs> Okay, I'm the third one. It's, okay, uh, let's just be probably clear about and it's that. Probably still warm. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah, things are going great, Ooh. and and this is before World War Three started. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, every day gets better. I've been hesitant to call it World War Three at first, and I'm I'm getting less hesitant by the day. Yeah, I, once once people are like, well, maybe we'll have to start nuking people. It's like, yeah, listen, there's no like, like, like this was a. Like, I was explaining this to my wife, right? It's like, it's like there's like we gotta we gotta you, get you can't bring it to 1962 levels, okay? Wait, like like because like like we gotta get your wife. We're not sponsor. gonna we're not gonna survive. We're not dealing with atomic bombs anymore. We're dealing, okay. With uh, we're we're dealing with uh, with uh, nuclear weapons that are so efficient and and so horribly maintained and looked after. Okay, <laughs> that no like some some idiot in Texas or or Oklahoma or some idiot uh, in Siberia. Could just be like, and they had too much to drink that one day. This has literally happened. The closest we came to that was 1983. Some guy was like, uh, you know what? I think they're telling us to to nuke everyone. It's a nuclear war. You know, and 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 he got shut down with that, right? And we didn't all die when I was three years old. But it, this is the thing. This is part of you know bringing the human factor into the equation, right? Okay. When everyone's talking about law, well, you know what? I'm going to get nukes. I'm going to nuke you. I'm, I'm going to do this, right? Like, we're at, like, two minutes to midnight right now. Okay? We should really get sponsored, see if we can get sponsored by the nuclear weapons lobby and Raytheon. They haven't been returning my calls. I'll totally take their money. Yeah, absolutely. We should, we should, yeah. But, I mean, I know we can't directly say we're sponsored by them without their go-ahead. Yeah. Because that would probably get us taken down immediately. Yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure that the, the, the voice search robots can... Pick that out pretty quickly. The pod, the so podcast we're, we're not sponsored by Raytheon yeah, we're, yet. We're not sponsored yes. yet. Yet, and, but but here's the thing: the direction and and the the temperature of this podcast will take a very very different direction if we get that sponsor. If we lock that down, right? We can be. We can right? be. And very, here's another shout: Lockheed Martin. Hey, we're yeah, here. We're you know, here. We'll we're take waiting. Your money. We're waiting we'll take for your, your money. money. And right? for now, maybe we will sell out. We if we can, we if we can sell, even we get sell everyone. The world's great idea. If we can even get sponsored yeah. by your wife, maybe we can. We can at least get something going, right? Yeah, because she should be a sponsor. You know what? That's a great idea. You know, we'll talk, yeah. talk to her about yeah. this. Yeah, we'll talk to my wife. We'll talk to Raytheon. We'll talk to Lockheed Martin. She'll talk to General Electric too. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But but the thing is, the tone of the conversations that we're having in this podcast, right? Depending on who our sponsors. You know, you know. We'll see what happens, right? This is a fluid, you know, dynamic situation. Okay, so we'll we'll just see where it goes. You know, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to selling out. I don't care. <laughs> right, and uh, so, so as, as far as two days I, ago, again, I'm kidding. Okay, okay. that's a joke. Okay. So as far as two days ago, yeah. Remember, so Putin said, uh, I think he was consequences like you've never seen if the West interferes, and that was that was two days ago, and <sighs> as of two hours ago, uh, Putin, or maybe a little, a little longer. Uh, no, it was seven hours ago when this story first broke. He orders he ordered his nuclear deterrent forces on high alert. Yeah, I, yeah, I woke up to that this morning. That was really exciting. You know. and, and since uh, then, uh, I believe that as recently as two hours ago, Ukraine and Russia agreed to talks since he made this move. Because I think, like, no, nobody actually wants this. Well, no, that's the thing. And, and again, like, like, like I said during the last podcast, okay, this would never be happening in Texas or Louisiana or Saskatchewan or Alberta, okay? Mm-hmm. But it, it so it's it's super cool to have it happen on a different continent, right? Right? Because the oligarchs here in North America, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's make some money. People have to die. We don't care, right? This isn't this isn't a, a humanitarian crisis for us. This is like, let's make some money. Right, yeah, and, we're making money and, here. Let's go, and, people. And, it's like the trading market. It's like the trading floor. Well, no, and if and if you listen, if, if if you listen to the reporting that Aaron Matei's done, you can see that it was the Biden administration that stoked up these conflicts. Now they're leaving Ukraine out to dry. Yeah, right. Yeah, the you Gravel know? Institute had had some great uh, work as well mm-hmm. that they put out. I'll link that in yeah. our. Uh, Absolutely. In our show description too, and it talks about how uh, these elements were were funded by the Biden administration. Name, well, name the Obama name, administration at the time. Yeah, well, no, no, but seriously, like name one country, including this country, mm. okay, who actually cares if anyone dies anywhere. Doesn't matter. It's all about oil and money. That's all it is. That's all it is. These people are horrible. Iceland's okay. pretty chill. I don't know. Well, Iceland is chill. Iceland, <laughs> like, yeah, there are some countries that just like, okay. they would just rather just do, they have it figured out. You know, like yeah, it's yeah. Iceland is perfect location for us. Like, just leave us alone. Yeah, and they're pretty. Right. Fa- they're they're pretty far away from everything. Yeah, most of their power is geothermal. Yeah. They take a they take a lot of saunas, uh, and they'll <laughs> to live a pretty healthy lifestyle. And, and they're just not bothered. I just from what I'm observing, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, with the little education that I have, right? Mm-hmm. But I am a very smart guy, and I read a lot. I pay attention to what's going on. I'm just, and again, I said this on the last podcast, I'm furious at everyone. I'm furious at Joe Biden. I'm furious at Putin. I'm furious at, uh, at uh, uh, what's his face, Zelensky. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm furious with everyone. Like, like there's no there's no good guys in this situation. Oh, you got you to gotta give Zelensky some how, credit. How, well, when oh, Z- oh, when oh. Zelensky said, I don't need a ride, I need some ammo, yeah, that's that's just good PR. No, no, he's he's okay. He's crushing it, but he is same, crushing it. He is totally crushing it. But that being said, right? It's like people are dying, and yeah. I don't care what country they came from. Okay, like 
I am like I am first and foremost an anti-war activist. I am yeah. the John Lennon that didn't get shot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and and yet and and so and, and this is the point where I'm going to plug uh, karaoke Legion. <laughs> it's Wednesday, March 9th. Okay. If you happen to be listening from Winnipeg and not from okay. Sweden, seven, seven, I know we had a listener. Maine. We had a listener right. from Sweden. We had some listeners right. from the U.S. from this last, the last podcast. Yeah. One from so I think maybe somewhere somewhere else in the EU. Yeah. But if you're in Winnipeg and listening to this, yeah. Seventeen forty eight Maine Branch Thirty Legion. I will be hosting karaoke uh, every Wednesday, starting Wednesday, March 9th between seven p.m. and eleven p.m. Uh, hopefully, you can go longer than that after the restrictions kind of go down a little bit. But but so I am I am I remind my I remind myself of a young John Lennon. <laughs> Okay. Pre Yoko Ono. Yeah, he reminds me of me. Back when he was cool. Okay. And yeah. you know what? I, I, I'll be there as well. I, I am. An, we'll, yes, he will. We'll be signing merch. I got some Winnipeg T-shirts that yes. are that are pretty all right. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Winnipeg skyline with uh, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, you know, the city of Win- like Winnipeg in a in a nice font above, and it just says. Fuck you, we like it. But you have to be discreet about selling the merch because number one, you're not allowed to sell the merch, but at that point, no one will care. Second of all, you're not allowed to swear an allegiance. The only thing worse than, and then the the third thing, the only thing worse than swearing in the legion is wearing a hat in the legion, right? So, yeah, you know. War crimes, okay, hats, not okay. I'm hoping, yeah, exactly, right? So I'm hoping. What I'm hoping is that it will be so packed that you will be able to sell merch discreetly because I'm bringing in a crowd because, again, I remind myself of a young John Lennon. We'll be selling merch outside out of the trunk of your bag. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll set up a little I'll, give, I'll give you the keys. Yeah. Right? You can... You well, yeah, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there... Uh, <laughs> We'll maybe do a little a little shout out uh, for, from the Legion. We'll put a mini episode out from the bathroom. <laughs> that, that, I hear the acoustics that, are that's, great. That just sounds sexual. <laughs> I mean, I'm a modern guy, Aaron. I don't know. Hey, just talk listen, to your wife. You know what? Love is love. <laughs> love is hey, love. Love is love. But I'm not cheating on my wife. Okay. <laughs> well, if if you want to bring her in, I'm okay with it. <laughs> no, she's, no, no. I don't know. I haven't seen her personally, so I don't know. Tell me. No, no, no. You haven't seen my wife. No, I never met your wife. What? You don't go on Facebook? No, I don't go on just Facebook. Pictures of us all over, please. Yeah, I'm no. just not really a Facebook guy anymore. Yeah, oh, Facebook just, sucks. It, it happened, just depresses me. It happened in like uh, late September, where like somebody hacked my account, and I just I didn't bother recovering it. I'm like. I don't need it. I'm okay. And for the next three months, I didn't have Facebook. Best three months of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't even check it. No. I still read the oh, news. God. I oh. still went on. I still. I still had my other news sources, but I just didn't have to deal with that whole social media. Facebook thing. is horrible. It's, it's, it's just a horrible place. Like remember that Dave Chappelle skit where he he said, "So we decided, what if the internet was like a place?" Right, that he could physically go to. Right, <laughs> he would like, never go there. He needs to do another one where, where, one for Twitter and Facebook. Okay, uh, yeah. because it's it's just like I go on Facebook and it's like, 
like I was so mad yesterday, right? Because I went to the protest, right? Yeah. Uh, you know about like anti-war protests. So yeah. it was like everyone, like because like a, a fifth of the population of Manitoba is is from Ukraine. Right? Yeah, and the so, largest and population wife, of Ukrainians. My, yeah, my wife is outside of outside of Ukraine and Russia. We're the third largest population of Ukrainians. Yes, so I went to support my wife, Ukrainian. My daughter, Ukrainian. Right, so you show up there. It was beautiful. I didn't wear my eyeglasses. I was wearing my sunglasses because I was was really worried I was going to start to cry because it was so emotional. Oh, I thought right? it was going to be. I thought it was because of a hangover. No, 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 no. I don't drink nearly as much as I should be. Okay. <laughs> no, really. No, no. Like doctors have told me, they're like, you need to drink like way more, and 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 you should probably you know smoke some weed. And I'm like, yeah, but I smoke. My doctor was lot. very impressed with how well my body is doing despite my alcohol intake. Yeah. You know, and, and as usual, by this time of the, in the podcast, we're getting a little distracted, <laughs> so we're. we're we're gonna take five, and we're gonna come back. And World War Three. Well, hold on, hold on. I just want to see one thing. So, we, so we went to the protest, and then the truckers showed up, what? right, and started honking, right. Oh. So then I'm fighting. Then like this is talking about Facebook. So then I'm fighting with with my buddies that are like pro convoy, right. And it's like it's not about you, okay. This is actual problems, okay? Right. People are dying. They had the okay? slogan. They had the right. slogan. Hockey. It was so offensive when the truckers showed up, and they were interrupting the speakers, right? You know, deplorable. Like, no, it was it was it was, it was absolutely deplorable. Yeah, okay, we can. And, and you know what they say: honky will continue until freedom improves. How about honky will continue until there's less war? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a much better slogan. No, really, no, like, no. It was, it was so offensive. It's like, oh my god, this is not about you, okay? People are actually dying, and people wonder why there's hunkophobia in this country. It's because of shit like that that they're doing. Well said. All right, we'll be back, and we're back, and we once again want to thank our sponsors: Menthol cigarettes, Menthol cigarettes, uh, crippling hangovers, yeah. and uh, yeah. doom scrolling World War Three. Yeah, which we will continue as soon as we're. Uh, finished with our talk here and speaking of doom scrolling i wanted to talk about the excellent news coverage <laughs> of uh of cnn oh. on this horse sponsor which their sponsor was applebee's which uh they pulled out applebee's did they there we're here we're here for you applebee's i've been to your restaurant several times on grant it's 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 pretty good. They had two dollar beers this this uh, one of these summers. Maybe not the last summer, maybe the previous summer. They had two dollar beers. See right there, they that's were, illegal in Manitoba. This is exactly why they were tiny. Yeah, but they were still two dollar beers. Well, no, but that's that's why we should we should Applebee's. Listen, if you're here, we're here, here for you. When you're here, your family. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was. I'm not a person that watches cable news. I don't have cable, but I was at a friend's place. And as a as a joke, just to see what it's like. Oh God! Because we never even turn on the cable at that place. We stream, we stream everything, but so a, and but but uh, uh, his brother watches sports, so that's why they have the cable package. Yeah. But I turned on <laughs> CNN as a joke, just to see what it's like. Because because it's World War Three, you would think they would have some news on that channel. Yeah. Turns out it's three minutes of news and then five to seven minutes of commercials, <laughs> which is. In this situation, it's insane. Because when uh, 9-11 happened, they at least at that time still had the decorum 
to do journalism. Yes. They had still, they felt they had the obligation. Oh, those days are gone. Yeah, right. And, gone. And this is, this is, for me, as a 32-year-old, this is, this is my second 9-11 now. Yeah. This is an event of that kind of magnitude. Absolutely. But this time, they just don't think... They that, don't care. <laughs> talking, it's more important to, you know, have their sponsors. There's like this vague cybersecurity company and obviously drug ads and Applebee's. But more than like of the hour, of the hour of their news block, <laughs> like something like 50 to 70% of it is just ads. Yeah, and there's little snippets of journalists talking between the ads. Are they journalists though? Well, okay, uh, news, uh, news people, news actors. No, no, I don't know if you know about this, right? So, uh, Discovery Channel. Oh yeah, has turned into some giant magnate, and they are going to buy CNN from. Time Warner. Doesn't this isn't Discovery already owned by uh, Disney? I could be wrong about that, but I thought that maybe. But anyway, they're taking over. So the so the CEO or, or the CEO mm-hmm. from Discovery, right? He did uh, he did an article in uh, well he was interviewed by I think it was Bloomberg, mm. and he, he said, and, and uh, you know this isn't verbatim, but it was basically he said. I want to bring CNN back to a place where they started, where they had journalists, right? Uh, and if you look at, like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to CNN imploding, right? <laughs> okay, so Chris Cuomo, right? Yeah. Has oh. to go because of his brother, right? And yeah. now he's just taking out everyone. Brian Stelter's next. That guy... Uh, he's, you know what Sean Hannity calls him? So Brian Stelter, that idiot. He wrote a book about journalism, which is hilarious because it has nothing to do with journalism. Okay, that guy has never been within you know ten meters away from journalism, and he he was he was complaining about Fox News. He said that his issue with Sean Hannity is that Sean Hannity keeps referring to him in public as Humpty Dumpty and he does look like Humpty Dumpty he looks like someone just drew a face on an egg and put him on CNN to lecture people about journalists you know he's the one who said well it doesn't matter if if Trump uh, doesn't win the next election because uh, they're like well what about ratings and they're like ratings don't matter this is about journalism at least the whole crowd laughed at him right like these people are not journalists. You know, uh, like even just in this city, I'm not going to name them, right? There's there's three or four journalists in this city, of uh, you know, uh, of uh, of almost eight hundred thousand people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Most people that you see on TV or writing in the paper are not journalists. They're not. They're just they're just news reporters. They just, okay, well, the government said this, right? And that's okay. Like, most people do need to be like that, right? Mm-hmm. But but nobody's digging in, right? No. Nobody's doing investigative. Like they, had the, like, they had to make up this word, investigative journalism. No, that's just that's journalism. That's supposed to be journalism. And, and, and this article, I'm, I'm going to put in the links from The Economist, is a good example of investigative journalism. Yeah. It's long form. It's yeah. it will, it'll take you yeah. 10, 15 minutes to read it, 
You but may it, want to read it twice. It it's it's at least very informative. Yeah. And okay, and and getting back uh, or winding back to Trump. Thank God he's down in the polls. Even his at this point, his cult followers are abandoning him. Yeah. He's down like twenty points, like among his base, which is good news. Thank God. Yeah. No. Within forty-eight hours, he he had to walk back. Tim Dillon had a great, oh, a oh, great. Yeah. That was amazing. Tweet. I, I'm, I'm going to read Tim Dillon's tweet. Uh, I saw. And while you're pulling that up, morning. I want to talk about this Tim Dillon. Oh my God. Right. Okay. So while you're pulling up, also CNN couldn't figure out why Joe Rogan was just doing so much better than them. <laughs> And they literally, they hired a guy to write a story. Why is Joe Rogan, like, doing so much better than us? Yeah, no, they, they, they had they to paid, hire they someone. They paid a person they, they to do it. They went third party. <laughs> yeah. They went third party to figure this out. Could, is it maybe because you're 70% ads and Rogan talks for three hours with a guest? Yeah. Is that a possibility? No, 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 no. And, and, and the thing is, Rogan's just asking questions, Right. And then if he asserts something, you can take or leave it. The guy right. was known for two things, okay? Smoking, well, now three things. But originally, smoking a lot of weed. Smoking DMT. Right? <laughs> and and being, uh, and, and being uh, well, and, and Fear Factor host. And, 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 the, and uh, the man UFC show. fights. And the man show. Remember the man show? Oh, was the, he man, the man show? He was the original host of the man show. It was fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, no, but like I'm not taking <laughs> medical advice from Joe Rogan. No, absolutely right? not. He's just having guests on. Like, you know, people say he's right wing, he's conservative. He endorsed Bernie Sanders <laughs> twice. Twice. He's voted Democrat his entire life. Mm-hmm. Right? So you know what? To me, that's still right wing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Where where I'm coming from. Yeah, Democrats but, are but, all right. But, but when you have when you have mainstream media saying, Well, Joe Rogan, he's atrocious and he's a he's a right wing fascist, it's like And now for a break from our sponsors, Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and Pfizer, yeah. <laughs> so so here's what Tim Dillon said this morning. This is fucking great. So <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not one of those guys who likes to dump on Trump. Trump, it's so fucking easy, right? You know, yeah, it's, right. It's, but, it's, but, it's, but this, this was this was this, 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 Well, yeah, but this was exceptional. <laughs> Tim Dillon is one of the like he's the gold as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Right? He says, living, yeah. He says so. He said this this morning at 11, 11 a.m. Uh, uh, Central Time. Trump saying Putin <laughs> moving into Ukraine was savvy has proven to be untrue. Of course, <laughs> Trump revealed himself on this by praising the Ukrainian president 48 hours later. <laughs> I can barely say this without laughing. It's almost like he's become one of those politicians he warned us about. <laughs> oh my God, I love Tim Dillon so much. It's so okay. funny. So, on, on the news coverage of this, so, oh, as, as I said, as a large, I, I tried watching CNN, yeah. and then I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to no. type into, into YouTube, Ukraine-Russia live coverage, and there was several sources, Yeah. Uh, at least the, the morning of the Biden address, which he it was a twenty minute thing including questions and he bungled speaking from the teleprompter like six times like one every two sentences he could barely get out but like the Washington Post had like a good six hours before the speech and after the speech of live coverage which was available to watch after uh, German news stations uh, oh, again the Washington Post coverage zero commercials at all 
There was nothing. There was no commercials. It was just journalists talking to analysts, journalists talking to their live people, uh, you know, the, the anchors talking to the live people uh, in Ukraine. And then that ended, and then there was uh, there's France 24, which is a European news station. Yep. Like, full live coverage, minimal ads. There was uh, German uh, news stations streaming also for free on YouTube. Also, minimal ads, full full press coverage. There's uh, in, there's there's Indian uh, news stations, uh, English language. They were doing the same thing. There's, so there's multiple places again for free. You don't have to you don't have to subscribe to a cable package mm-hmm. to watch CNN. That's mostly ads. You can just free stream actual live news coverage and when it's live streaming coverage YouTube doesn't put in the ads like it doesn't interrupt the the stream to like give you the 15 second ad I'm pretty sure that Applebee's has a YouTube channel (laughs) so if you want if you want to if you want to see an ad you can but it doesn't it doesn't shove it down your throat so the point is there's just so there's just Freely accessible, better journalism, and this isn't even like this isn't the YouTube channel that we have to click and watch a video. No, yeah. this is live streams of like from re- re- reputable news stations from all over the world. There's Ukraine. Uh, there's not. There's not any Ukrainian coverage because they're literally in a war. Yeah. But multiple European countries as well as India, they have live news coverage, but for free live on YouTube if you want to watch the news about this and you can find somewhere you can, you can find it CNN or MSNBC or Fox News right because they're all horrible but like even like ABC and like even ABC uh, had a live stream and again I'm sure it had less ads than their news channel yeah <laughs> because again when, when you're doing cable news you have to pay the piper you have you know, they, they have contractual obligations. Well, they're owned by the people they're supposed to be investigating. Right. Like Applebee's and Raytheon. <laughs> but when, but when, they're putting, when they're putting that stream on YouTube, they don't have the obligation to have those as many ads as, you know, they normally would have uh, on, on, their, on their news coverage that's, uh, that's live on air. Yeah. So that's been my go-to. Because, again, I have been doom-scrolling religiously since this war started. I, uh, there are several Reddit communities that I follow. Uh, shout out to the Nihilist News Network. Their slogan is, there is no truth and everything's propaganda. Yeah, well... It, yeah. And, and a, lot, a lot of their stuff is... A lot, it's, it's, they have That's lo- not not true. They have... They, they have, they have a lot, it's a lot of live cams from Kiev and Lviv and these hotspots. Yeah. And uh, they have a lot of reports from Ukrainian sources as well as they... Uh, as well as other... You know, uh, live streams from the area, like direct re- direct videos that Ukrainians are posting on various social yeah. media channels. So uh, there's uh, there's just there's a lot of better places to get your news sure. than cable coverage. Oh, if you're God. one of those unfortunate people listening to us that still watches cable news, please consider an alternative approach. Oh my God, no! And 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 let's and you know like. And we can like I I gotta get back to the more things. So you know we can just end it like this, right? At the end of the day, right? People are dying right now, okay? Yeah. So that rich people can make more money, right? 
we all need to take that in cons- into consideration. Yeah, hang on. And when you and when you go when, when you go to try to get news coverage from you know someone like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, right? They don't care. They're just trying to make money. That's they all just, it they is. They just want to get their quesadilla burger from Applebee's. That's it. And you know it's a good burger. I've had it. Is it? It is. Yeah, it's a good time. It's been on their menu for like over a decade. It's got like uh, pico de gallo, and it's like it, it's it's wrapped in like a tortilla shell. It's pretty good. I was fine. By the time I do get to Applebee's, I'm always like in some horrible situation. Where <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I gotta wait at Applebee's for someone to come meet me because something horrible. You're never there because something went right in your life. Yeah, I never planned to go to Applebee's. It's <laughs> like oh fuck, okay, I'll meet you at Applebee's. Fine. God damn, yeah. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So Applebee's, but, but we, Applebee's, no. I, we I, will I, change our tone as soon as you give us. Some yeah, money. no, just give us, just give us some money or coupons, anything. Yeah. Let us know. Okay, so this has been uh, <laughs> the second episode of Glassnest. Uh, there will be a, a second part to this episode. My friend Ray Weiss will be joining me because yes. uh, Aaron has to go. And we will yell more about quantitative easing because this man is uh, fairly well informed. He's, uh, he's a, local, uh, a, a local activist and also uh, a, a programmer that I went to college with. And uh, he's got a lot to say on the subject of economics, and we'll hear from him later. For now, this has been Dennis Drenko and... Aaron McDowell, your friendly neighborhood angry Irish guy. And we will see you soon. Right on. Okay, and uh, we're back here for the second half of the podcast. Brought to you still by Doom Scrolling World War Three and a chronic hangover. I'm joined today by my friend. Introduce yourself. I'm Ray. Ray Weiss. Oh, and uh, he's the... Uh, Gentlemen, I mentioned in the first half of the podcast, we're going to talk about quantitative easing and monetary policy and all that fun stuff. I'm sure you're excited to hear about it. And uh, I'm currently opening my last Baltica beer, which has been pulled off the shelves here in Manitoba. It's a bittersweet moment. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to yell about quantitative easing, how how that started and where that's going. Take us away, Ray. Okay, well... uh First of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me, Russia. I do like to talk. I'd like to add the caveat that I am not an expert on quantitative easing, and I'm also not an economist. So, well, I do find it useful to, you know, establish, you know, and have some of the facts of these these sort of stories in mind. Like, please don't, if you are not specifically interested in this do not think it's important to go out and learn about quantitative easing it is not it is all scams when you hear these stories of complex banking you know in institutions and mechanisms it's just a scam they're all scams it's a scam they're stealing your money <laughs> it's how they always do it they come up with some complex way to describe it to make it sound official and then they steal your money and this is why I wanted to have you on, because that's the way you put things. <laughs> so, so anyways, like, just to give a bit of brief history that all of you can find on Wikipedia for yourselves, uh, the term quantitative easing was coined by an economist, uh, German guy named Richard Werner, who's actually he's an interesting guy. He's not actually part of the sort of, you know, central status quo economic, you know, Keynesian philosophy yeah Yeah. when did did he coin this term it's in 1995 he was working for the the bank of japan 
Mm-hmm. And, like, he advocated quantitative easing because Japan's been quite ahead of the curve with uh, with some of the financial issues that have gone worldwide. Like, they were the first country in the world to experience negative interest rates. Yeah. Which has become a, a normal thing, as uh, impossible as it sounds. We, yes. We yes. touched on that in the first half, yeah, when I was talking with Aaron. Yeah, the government actually, yes, they pay corporations to borrow money. So, yeah, like I was saying, it's all scam. They're stealing your money. So, but anyways, uh, yeah, it was suggested as a way to overcome the limitations on the bank's interest rate policy. But, they, you know, the Japanese bank didn't really, the Bank of Japan, that is, didn't really pick it up. They, they tried it for a little while, but with no real explanation, they just sort of gave up on it. Um, it it's funny, I like this at the end of the Wikipedia entry. Here it says... Uh, in modern times, it is widely referred to as printing money, <laughs> which uh, I think is quite on the nose. You know, you, you get a better sense of what they're doing when they call it that. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a more plain, uh, you know, comp uh, an easier way to understand it. And it is essentially printing money, but without the need for actual printing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just putting it on the balance sheet and then buying treasury bonds with it, right? That's right. Yeah, so like the, the 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 nomenclature and the you know the activity really came to widespread public attention after the global financial crisis of two thousand seven two thousand eight. Yeah. You know the the real estate backed mortgage crisis. You know the, derivatives. The, the, the crisis. derivatives crisis. Yeah. 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 So then you know not only the United States but the United Kingdom and the eurozone all all started doing it but i think it's you know easiest to just focus on the united states yeah uh, because they were the leaders of course they are the world hegemon so during the peak of the financial crisis in 2008 the u.s federal reserve expanded its balance sheet dramatically adding new assets and liability without sterilizing and scare quotes it's from wikipedia yeah. again of course by corres uh, corresponding subtractions um, in the same period, the United Kingdom was involved doing the same sort of thing. The U.S. Federal Reserve System held between $700 billion and $800 billion in its balance sheet before the recession. And then through, uh, through the following three quarters, they just massively, massively expanded this, uh, this money printing. So what did it start at? What did it end with? What was, what was the number you gave there? Well, they started with 700 to 800 billion on their balance sheet before the recession. Mm -hmm. So in the first quarter, the Federal Reserve started buying 600 billion dollars in mortgage-backed securities. This is after it was made abundantly clear that the banks had in fact been um, selling what have now become uh, notorious as subprime mortgages, which is where they were, you know, by hook or by crook, selling these these toxic mortgages to people vulnerable people who are desperate to get a home yeah so, so it, was, it was bad debt they were putting bad debt on their absolutely, balance sheet absolutely absolutely and, and then the government was forced to buy it far far worse than that uh what they were doing was they were first selling these this bad these bad mortgages that they knew would fail they were designed yeah. to fail what they were then doing was they were repackaging that debt, slicing it up and injecting it into everybody's pensions yeah. and mortgages. They, they turned a bad debt into an investment vehicle, and, 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 they, sold that, and they sold that vehicle as, as good debt. That's, that's right, but right. the part of how they did that was they sliced it up 
and they stuffed it in every sort of good death they could find right. in ways that, that they could hide. So to the, po- to the point that there was no way to detach from that liability when the when the true cost came due. Yeah. So, so the, the the even the good debt was poisoned by the bad debt. That's right. Yes. And so in that first quarter, uh, the balance sheet essentially doubled. It went from he said seven hundred to eight to eight hundred billion. They added another six hundred billion immediately. That's right. So that that's doubling in the first quarter, and then in the next three quarters. By March, just of 2009, it held $1.75 trillion of bank debt, mortgage-backed securities, treasury notes. Uh, this amount reached a peak of $2.1 trillion in uh, June 2010. Mm-hmm. Further purchases were halted, even putting scare quotes once again, as uh, the economy started to improve, but resumed in August 2010 when the Fed decided the economy wasn't growing robustly enough. <laughs> so they just kept doing it. Yeah, yeah. This is and this is a good time I think to pause to like to really reflect because we get very caught up in our system and like people in authority tell us this is necessary you know it's just to to go through the system and the avenues and this is just how it has to be done the smart people tell us this bullshit right from the start it was understood that either the consumers the customers were going to have to get hurt or the banks, the ones who had created the fraud, right. the ones who had extended the liability, the ones who were the issuers of the loan, the the final responsible party for any debt. Yeah, but but they they they, they passed that buck on, obviously, at the end of the day. Of course, well, yes, of course, and and it is just of course they blame immigrants and poor people and this time even school teachers, <laughs> to yeah, quote it, the Big Short. It's just it's just another you know it's a demonstration that like really. Our, our, our society has degraded to the point where power rules nakedly. There isn't even an incentive to appear virtuous anymore. Uh, it, 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 was just, it was just blatant. It was bald-faced. And anyone who couldn't have uh, been bothered to learn a little bit about it should, you know, I think you should maybe reflect a little on that. Because if you're concerned about where the world is going today, where were you back then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these alarm bells have been ringing for a very, very yeah. long time. Yes, yes, yes. It's the, the this is fine meme, I think, is comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is just fine. So these, they, they, then res, they resumed this policy in 2010, you were saying, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and then and, and what's been the pattern since 2010 onward? Well... I don't follow all of the details specifically, but I know for a fact that quantitative easing has continued. It, it's been necessary that it's con- it, it has had to continue because the reality of our economy since 2008 is that it never recovered. And it's, it's basically just been a papering over of a collapse that's been ongoing nonstop. I mean... Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say beyond that. <laughs> right. So, uh, the story that came out from, I think it was uh, it was a 2020 or 2021 policy that the, the Fed, uh, they, they've been sticking to this $120 billion a month stimulus, right? Well, there you go, yes. Yeah, did, did, you, did, you, did you read that story? Did you, were you familiar with it? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess the point that I was making was just um, what, I, what I observe 
when I see the, the, the tax cuts, quantitative easing, um, just all of the so-called fiscal policy coming from Washington, because that's our government, right? You know, that's our imperial government that has no accountability to us but makes all the decisions for our The hegemon, yeah. That's right. Uh, like, um, um, basically, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It's all just, it just it's all just tricks and chicanery, you know, like, and my sort of... <laughs> I'm at the point now where I, it's just depressing to, to learn the details. <laughs> and I just I just know that, like, I'm just waiting for the rest of, you know, for, for the other shoe to drop or for people to actually, you know, start to wake up and get engaged. I'm doing my best. You know, it's hard to know what to do. But, uh, you know, it's, it's beyond the point of needing to learn more. It really is. Like, we all see what this is. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not complicated. It, it's a bunch of crooks in expensive suits they bought with stolen money, <laughs> paying clever people to make up bullshit while they steal all the money. Yeah, it, it feels like a, like an ongoing house of cards, and it's just building higher and higher. That's right. And we keep climbing to the top of it, and then when there's no more top, then we put another layer on, and just like... It, it 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 can't build forever. We it's it's gonna collapse. Yes. We don't know when. Well. We don't know how. We do have we do have some knowledge of what the risks to a quantitative easing supported economy are. Mm-hmm. And the most primary, the most significant one is inflation scares. Yeah, that that's been because the way that quantitative easing works and and remains stable is that the government puts money the government buys assets that are that are stable they aren't mm. they aren't typically you know uh being liquidated and and having that cash uh enter the you know freely enter you know, the market the economy you know they put it into stable things like like real estate or land you know treasuries yeah. that, that don't move around a lot because if they if the, if that money did go into the circulating economy, you'd immediately see inflation, which we, which we've been seeing we've been seeing anyway. Well, we are seeing now. That's the, yeah. the, you know that's the thing. While the system still had a, a modicum of stability, people some of the wealthier people who were benefiting from this, I think, had the uh, the composure to to restrain themselves but now that the wheels are really coming off on our on our whole global economic system these people who have this money are tempted to spend it because they're afraid it's not going to be worth that much soon (laughs) so we have what is you know commonly referred to as a feedback loop effect that Mm -hmm. begins at that point and uh all the governments and businesses can do is keep you know, adding little band-aids and little, you know, fixes here and there to keep the whole thing from exploding. And, and we've been living in that reality at least since 2008. Yeah, and just recently it, it's, it, it seems like the chickens are coming home to roost. With, with, with the with the rising inflation and we're, the reason that, you know, we're, we're being given for the inflation perhaps doesn't correspond, it doesn't truly... Uh, reflect on on the root causes of it. Yeah, especially since it's it's just it's strange the inflation. It's it's sort of just an 
an area here or there here and it's half of what it is in the United States and I think a lot of that can be attributed to uh, profiteering but um, yeah it's uh, you know it's very concerning I mean I don't really know it's it's hard to tell with something like inflation we've lived in a in a woo-woo you know voodoo economy for so long that it's I don't I don't think there's any sort of like rational metrics that are a hundred percent reliable to sort of pick these things on yeah it, it, it it's again like you said voodoo economy they're just they're kind of guessing they're throwing stuff at the wall they're seeing what sticks well my impression is there is an intention to break the economy the uh, the people who control it have so much control now that it doesn't really matter you know there's they're the only thing that people usually risk with who are major players in an economy is losing market share or position but if you control the whole thing, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no, there's nobody else to. There's no position to lose. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But I think, I think it's it's pretty clear that they have, you know, they're they're being quite open about it. They have designs on completely reshaping uh, reshaping the economy, and and my guess is, part of that plan is reorienting the civilian populations towards a war with China and Russia. Yeah, they that's... know. They know there's no way that the the citizens of these countries will go along with that willingly. <laughs> there's there's no possible way, you know. Even if a lot of them will talk the talk, you know, they're fat, they're lazy, they're no like they're pathetic, you know. That I you know like I'm pretty sure the average Russian just wants it more than the average <laughs> American these days. I mean, come on. Yeah, and you know places like China, for example, they they have something you know, uh, for, uh, they, they have a coherent ideology that they're uh, they have they're thinking of it in, in terms of long term planning, where our politicians are thinking more about the next election cycle than uh, you know the greater benefit or the long term stability of their of their countries. They're thinking they're thinking about not. Uh, Offending or annoying their fellow alumni from the World Economic Forum's Young Leadership Program. That's what our oh, politicians yeah. are thinking. The World Economic Forum is, I guess, the, the opposing ideological structure. And they have been talking about, you know, we have our our network in place and all these developed countries of these leaders that are going to Jackie push... Singh and yeah. Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland. <laughs> yeah, and, and these are people that are in government positions in various places that are all sort of pushing this, you know, centrist economy mm-hmm. of, you know, the quantitative easing, the the general economic structure that they're trying to impose all over the world. Yeah, yeah, this, this, this failed system that they insist that we all should be a part of and... Uh, yeah, and uh, if if we complain, they'll they'll just take away our bank accounts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and there's we they'll quantitatively ease us out of the system. Yeah. Just, your quantity is now zero. <laughs> you can ease the fuck out of here with it. Yeah, it, it's easier when you have nothing. <laughs> That's right. uh. You'll own nothing, and we'll be happy about it. Right, except for except for you know the, the accumulated debt that will That's eventually right. be uh, will 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 we'll be paid for with 
you know, treasury bonds taken out in your name at the end of the day. And when those are worthless, your children sold to Libyan slave traders. (laughs) Sorry, Libya. You don't deserve that. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we all have problems. <laughs> domestic <laughs> threats, both both domestic and foreign. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we're gonna take a beat, and uh, we'll be right back after a commercial break. So uh, we're we're back, and we're uh, we're gonna take a beat to uh, thank our sponsors. So it's Audible's Audible, Audible, yeah, Audible, and uh, Dreams of My of My Father by Barack Obama. My. Uh, my guest here is wearing this beautiful, beautiful sweater, uh, the, the the classic Obama Hope filter from the uh, from the original campaign, and uh, we want to thank Alan Greenspan. My and uh, we have a fond memory of him that we're going to talk about here. Okay, yeah, you know all of this. It it brings me back to those days when the the great financial collapse of two thousand and eight happened, and. Uh, it's a powerful moment for me because all my life is a wee lad. I grew up watching the telly. Oh, the telly. <laughs> the telly. Only three channels. Yep. I mean, there were more, but I only liked three. What were they? <laughs> C-SPAN was my favorite. Oh, C-SPAN. Don't get me started. Yes. It's good stuff. Yes. And CBC and, of course, whatever public television station was playing Bob Ross. Well, that, so. Yeah. So I, 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 as a young man, would, would turn on my favorite programs on C-SPAN. And, and, of course, I would constantly, constantly be confronted by this, this song and dance. It was always apparent to me that it was, it was some kind of ritual of, like, of, of condescension, of, like, the Federal Reserve and Alan Greenspan going on television this old guy you know they called they called him the oracle you know mm-hmm. very you know very pompous name to give the guy but he had this thing he would do where he would go on TV and basically just project smarm and smug through the TV at anyone who would dare question american you know federal reserve you know uh, federal government fiscal policy and basically just you know browbeat anyone like how dare you we're we're the united states we're clearly the right in the right because look at how successful we are Mm -hmm. and when the collapse happened to see that piece of shit go on tv and eat a big bowl of alan greenspan yeah just his own porridge that he left in the microwave for way too long like i i joke about it but it was it was earth-shaking that they that they would have him go up there and acknowledge that they had been wrong they'd clearly been wrong but that lasted for all two or three days and then they got right back to the same sort of uh abusive relationship <laughs> with the public where you know it was just the non-stop gaslighting and you know to our to our extreme discredit as a collective we just went back to taking it well it's like it's like it's like the abusive partner that you just can't shake and uh, every time that you're thinking maybe this is this this is it we're done with them and we just keep coming back to that well because well, yeah. we're, we're weak. <laughs> well, and it's I think I think what it is is it's a fear of the unknown because yep. you know what else are we gonna do? How else are we gonna? How am I gonna live without money? You know, yep. and I think it's incumbent upon every single one of us 
today to start asking that question and to start, you know, you know, examining how can how can I live without money, with less money, with mm-hmm. without propping up this system that I keep bitching about. Because there's a lot of us doing that. And I got bad news for you. If you're contributing to your RRSPs, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're a part of the problem. All right. Well, and, and, and th- thinking of Greenspan reminds me of that historical moment that was then, you know, included included in the big short where they had that confrontation between the, the Bank of America guy and then w- one of the people that were doing the shorts. And as they're speaking, the Bank of America stock is... Dropping like a, dro- dropping like a rock while they're speaking at the at this conference, and people are starting to leave, like at, at the mm. end. Even though Greenspan's scheduled to speak next, people are just dumping out of the room so they can go sell their positions because they're becoming worthless in real time. Yeah, and as Greenspan, one of the orchestrators of the whole collapse, was scheduled to talk. Nobody even wanted to hear from him anymore. They just wanted to go as quickly as possible and sell everything they have and convert it into liquid cash. Yeah, it's a great symbol. But I I don't know that anyone really... I don't remember Alan Greenspan ever actually having anything interesting or worthwhile to say. They just put him on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. He was more a symbol of the stability of the system. And when that stability went away, so did his symbol. He was just a shriveled up, puckered prune of an old man. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? Get the fuck out of here. But yet his ideas live on, it seems. Like, you know, nothing really changed. We're still doing the same Alan Greenspan bullshit 15 years later. Yeah, well, it's it's all pantomime now. That's the thing, right? It's a... It's, a, it's shadows it's on the a, wall of Plato's cave. It's a corpse marionette. <laughs> it's a corpse marionette of an economy. It's weekend at Bernie's. Dance in the Macarena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're just shuffling his corpse around, putting sunglasses on him, and pretending everything's okay. Yes. The party keeps going. That's right. That's right. Uh, the party will keep going until the party shock callers arrive, and then the party will really get going. <laughs> well, if, uh, if until if, until they move us into our new party pods. <laughs> well, like uh, like like one of, like one of my favorite people, Tim Dillon has been saying, and this is one of his most popular clips, the party's over, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the parents I, are here, and the door is slamming shut, and you, you don't have time to clean up. <laughs> I feel like we need to bring Gorbachev over again, and this time he can tell us it's all over. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev, can you tear down this wall tear too? Tear down this wall. Because <laughs> we have this other wall now, and it's made out of bad debt, and it's made out of quantitative easing, and empty balance sheets, and derivative derivative markets that have exploded. They're, they're much bigger than the world's GDP, like a factor of 10. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tear down this wall, but... We don't have anyone to do it. Yeah, unfortunately, we lack a great leader of your stature. <laughs> we, we do. We don't even have a Gorbachev. Well, well yeah. I mean, like, who do we have? Well, well, we have the great eloquent speaker of our time, Joe Biden. I mean, whenever he's on TV, it's just it's so interesting to see someone of his age still be able to be so coherent. 
<laughs> I I would like I was actually I understood how much he was being propped up by the media, but it was quite it was it was fun, but it was quite the revelation. Just how fucked up old man he is <laughs> when they couldn't keep him out of the spotlight anymore. <laughs> yeah. like, like it's, it's thoroughly entertaining when he does things, you know, like the straight up like Alzheimer's dementia stuff, like yeah. chewing on his wife's finger in public. <laughs> It's it's another great representation of the weekend at Bernie's situation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just they're just shoving him in front of the mic and in front of the camera, and uh, it's like say the thing in the teleprompter. And he's yes. uh, and he's trying his hardest. Bless his heart. Yeah. At least he's trying to you know gesticulate in a somewhat coherent manner and trying squinting at the teleprompter to make sure he's reading the words right. And plus his heart, he's trying. I love my... Oh, when he came out and said, I've been instructed to tell you all. And he didn't think that that was maybe not the way to phrase it for an American president. <laughs> so I've been giving some, some notes from the people that uh, are running the show. And uh, they told me to tell you. <laughs> it was very much along those lines. It's like the, the kid passing you a note in class, you know? <laughs> you, it came... It came from back there somewhere. You're at the front of the class, oh, and the, the teacher's watching you. And uh, you know you're getting you're getting this note. You have no idea where it came from, and that's him. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. Oh, um, I'm. You know, it, it just makes me believe. I I I I I've become a much more uh, open-minded person recently. You know, I'm starting to believe more in like magic, yeah. supernatural forces, <laughs> demons, wizards, perhaps. And, you know, it all started with us believing in hope with That's Barack right. Obama. That's right, yes. Dreams of my father. Yes. And he, of course, is a wizard, and that's how he fooled the world into thinking that he was a nice man. <laughs> yeah, well, he at least he had charisma, which was actually yeah, which was kind of the dangerous part because yeah. he had charisma. Biden has the charisma. Of, oh, I oh, sucked his dick. Yeah, well, for shit. For Just sure. to get a picture of that, the selfie with Obama's dick in your mouth, you could get away with saying a lot more in public if you could just pull up those receipts, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently Barry's like that. I saw it here. Yeah. He's on QAnon website. But I don't know. Those guys seem trustworthy. Me. Oh, yeah. Super trustworthy. But uh, Biden has all the charisma of a, of, of a beat-up lazy boy. Or like a wicker armchair. At this point. splintering apart at the seams. You notice how much hair, how much more hair he has than he did when he was 30? It's pretty impressive. Yes, at least some things are looking up for him, right? Apparently that's where his life force is going. It's into that <laughs> fine head of hair. It's all of it just dumping oh, in there. Man. We have had some some weird presidential hair situations in the past six years. Yeah. Like, I mean, Obama had a nice cue ball, that was, and that was perfectly fine. He was, you know, again, he, he was put together, and then Trump was falling apart at the seams the whole time, and his hair just looks weird as shit. And always has. So, but back to the magic and wizards. Right. Yeah. So I'm. I'm I, I see it. The as above, so below in this <laughs> of the Biden, the man, you know, necrotic, you know, uh, decayed, demented, 
Yeah, wh know, where's his phylactery? Once, once powerful, if completely full of shit. <laughs> it's the United States itself in, in a microcosm. Yeah. You know, falling apart in real time. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he's got to have, like, you know, like, like a lich has a phylactery, like, he's got to have a horcrux. Yeah. There's, there, there's some kind of vial somewhere that is keeping him alive. It, it's, it's that dog of his that bites people's dicks <laughs> off. Well, he has a cat now, too. <laughs> it probably attacks people, too. This is a Biden animal. It's, an, it's an attack cat. <laughs> yes. This is, a, this is an Irish Protestant cat. <laughs> That cat, that cat's been making car bombs. <laughs> it, it knows how to scrap. It does. Oh, that's a good time. Yeah, as above, so below. There's the, that's a spectacular Shakespeare quote. And so yeah, this this is a line from that episode of Westworld, and it uh, it references some Shakespeare stuff and some other things. But it was they said that there were two fathers, one above and one below, but they lied. There was only ever the devil. And when you look up from the bottom, it's just his reflection, reflection laughing back at you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, uh, oof. That's fun. There, there are wizards out there. There is dark magic. <laughs> and that's where we're at as an economy and as a, you know, a, 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 central, a centralized world economy that's, you know, driven by, you know, the powers that be. You know, I, I've been told to tell you this yes. kind of people. Yes, I, I believe it. I know it. I feel their ominous power. In your druthers and, Clutch, and your subcockles. Clutching, clutching at both my, my testes and my mind. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a burden, but, you know, you just got to fight through it. You know, we're the, we're the shining light of the Lord yeah. and the darkness of we the We are light. the vanguard. That's right. So we wanted to get back to the, uh, the, uh, some of the stuff we were talking about at the beginning. You yeah. Said. Okay, so, just, you know, I, I, I'm i sorry, I, I grabbed some Wikipedia shit, I, did, I just had it so we could have some historical context, but just some quick notes about quantitative easing. It's, of course, made to buy treasuries and other assets. It's supposed to be stable, non-liquid kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It doesn't buy them itself, it has middlemen that do it, like oh, yeah. banks, like Goldman Sachs. So so they, 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 they get a fee. For doing it, they're obviously. empowered as agents, and yes, they they whatever services they provide, you know, <laughs> be they minimal or nothing at all, yeah. they're going to charge you a significant fee for that, because the fee is based on the on, on the size of the transaction, obviously. It's, <laughs> and when the transaction is one hundred and twenty billion a month, the, the the fee their fees well, and the, they they find ways to charge fees for things. You you understand? Yeah, you know, they'll charge you a fee, you know, a maintenance fee on your, you know, dormant account on all three of your dormant accounts that they signed you up for without telling you. Yeah. you know, this is this is how it works. You know, it's, it's magic, it really is. But basically, they buy up, you know, basically like these, you know, assets that are that are at real risk. You know, and it's going to have some sort of devastating impact on the economy if these things go under. But, you know, once again, returning to the beginning and remembering it's all a scam yeah. and it doesn't mean anything and they're just stealing your money. They almost certainly, and, and I... And it's beautiful that it's on a scheduled basis. I, this I, is a check they can rely on once a month. <laughs> well, and I can guarantee you that if there's ever any sort of like 
event, unprecedented event that comes up where they make an announcement that they're going to do some sort of quantitative easing purchasing, they've told their friends they're having lunch with these people before they make the announcement. They're all friends. They're working together. Like, the idea that there's any arm's length between these people, their arms are firmly wrapped around each other, jerking each other off. Yeah, that, that, that idea is laughable, man. Laughable. It, it's completely ridiculous. So it's obvious insider trading. You know, the, 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 the banks get this middleman status that sort of, like, enshrines them as some sort of, like, pseudo-institutional apparatus, like semi-governmental. And, like, amazingly to me, even fiscal conservatives just... There's something about the cognitive dissonance at seeing their their prototypical heroes, white men in expensive suits. Yeah. Well, everybody wants that, engaged right? Engaged in this kind of criminality. Like, they just cannot... They can't stay mad. They love those guys. Yeah. Well, because one day they want to be criminals, too. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, to a greater extent That's, than they are already. But there is There is real truth to that. That people see that and they're like, oh, well, I guess he just did good at the stealing game that I've been trying to play. Maybe he can get me a gig once. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. Like, my reactionary will complain about, you know, native people or blue, whoever, right? Yeah, wh or, whoever. Or, sorry, I mean, my reactionary relatives, I should say. Right. That's, that's, that's what I meant by that. That's, that's, yeah, it's... You uh, got that, right? <laughs> We'll get Jamie to bleep it. Yeah. Okay. On the Perfect. Tape. Yeah. Yeah. I trust you guys. <laughs> yeah. Trust us. At, at least you can trust us not to quantitatively ease you out of your bank account. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what you can trust us to do. Right. The bleeping, uh, like, the, usually these things come out on Sunday. Yesterday was pretty busy for all of us. Y you, you couldn't make it in. So even tonight, we're going to have to edit this. It'll be out tomorrow morning on Tuesday. But we'll be back to a regular schedule. I will get this out to you guys every Sunday, ideally. This week it's Tuesday. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, this has been the uh, the Glassnest podcast, and uh, I want to thank my friend Ray Weiss for coming down and uh, helping me yell about the magic and the spells that they're casting in <laughs> the dark in the Dark Lord. Bankers are wizards. All bankers. It's not anti-Semitic. Good night. <laughs> Good night. All right, not bad. <laughs>